Well, we've been going through the very exciting book of the Acts of the Apostles. And in a very real way, the Acts of the Apostles has never ended. Because we're a product of what they did. We're a product of the fact that they looked beyond their prejudices and they, they went and they preached and taught to the Romans and the, the Greeks, the Egyptians. They went to India, they went to China, North Africa, they went all over the world. And the people that they talked to did as well. Of course, they were persecuted terribly before. Remember, the religious leaders of their day didn't want them offending anybody, so they told them to shut up and don't preach about Jesus. You might upset someone. Well, they did upset people, a lot of people, and a lot of them were killed. But it didn't stop them from preaching the, the word of Jesus, did it? And why do you think that was? Mills, why do you think that they were willing to die for their king? Mm-hmm. They had a choice. Except God, or not except God, if you accept God, you're dead. So, I mean, you've got your families, you've got your children, you've got mm-hmm. and stuff like that. But the early Christians accepted God. It's like the ones overseas now, mm-hmm. they, uh, they're cutting their heads off, Christians and stuff like that, the same scenario. It is, yeah. So it's, you know, it's a decision you've got to make right then. Because, it, you know, when you say it, there's consequences. It's, it's, it's more important than our temporary lives, isn't it? But it's, it's a thing that's in the heart. It's like when you drive down the road, you're prepared. And if a situation happens, you don't think about You're off the side of the road, you save your life. Yeah. If you sit there and have to think, I oh, know what am I going to do? You know, you're in the middle of a wreck. Mm-hmm. It's just always be prepared. And, you know, you know, whenever you become a Christian, you made that choice. Yeah. You know, you're going to serve the Lord. Remember, Paul, Paul said, Philippians 1.21, for me to live, to live as Christ, to die as gain. To live as Christ, to die as gain. But also, the apostles corrected each other. Mm-hmm. It, it, because, uh, like, for instance, Peter was in a situation mm. that he was hanging with the Jews all the time, not, not being with the Gentiles. And like David, I guess he didn't realize he was doing it, so Paul brought it to his attention that you need to mingle with everybody, yeah. not just one source. You so, need to think differently. But they, 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 yeah. they, they watched each other and they corrected each other. Mm-hmm. And the thing about this is, nobody was under correct, over a correct. Nobody was higher. Nobody was higher than everyone. Yeah, they were, all, they were all equal and everybody there's one head and that was Christ. Yeah. Everybody yeah. watched each other's back and they corrected each other too. They needed that humble heart too, didn't they? Because they were, they were dealing with decades, with centuries of culture where you didn't, you didn't mix with those people. But they were correcting in love. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. That's the way it's supposed to be done. Well, we've been looking, we'd been looking last week about Paul, about all, some of his adventures after he became a Christian. And we're moving on now to the Acts of Peter. So if you'll turn over to Acts chapter 9, verses 32 to 43. Acts chapter 9, verses 32 to 43. I'm going to see what he got on. Yeah. There we go. That's Acts 9, verses 32 to 43. 
And it came to pass, as Peter passed throughout all quarters, he came down also to the saints which dwell at Lydia. And there he found a certain man named Ananias, which had kept his bed eight years, and was sick of the palsy. And Peter said unto him, Ananias, Jesus Christ maketh thee whole. Arise, and make thy bed. And he arose immediately. And all that dwelt at Lydia and Saron saw him and turned to the Lord. Now there was at Joppa a certain disciple named Tabitha, which by interpretation is called Dorcas. This woman was full of good works and alms deeds, which she did. And it came to pass in those days that she was sick and died, whom when they had washed, they laid her in an upper chamber. And for so much as Lydia was nigh to Joppa, and the disciples had heard that Peter was there, they sent unto him two men, desiring him that he would not delay to come to them. Then Peter arose, arose and, went, and went with them. When he was come, they brought him into the upper chamber, and all the, win- all the widows stood by him weeping, and showing the coats and garments which Dorcas made while she was with them. But Peter put them all forth, and kneeled down and prayed, and turned him to the body, said, and turning him to the body, said, Tabitha, arise. And she opened her eyes, and she saw Peter, and Peter, she sat up. And when she saw Peter, she sat up. And he gave her his hand, and lifted her up. And when he had called the saints and widows, presented her alive. And it was known throughout all Joppa, and many believed in the Lord. And it came to pass that he tarried many days in Joppa with one Simon, a tanner. See, the Acts of the Apostles, they, they don't just focus on Paul. It, it's on all of them, as we, can, as we will find out. And, you know, for a time, Paul has held the centre of stage here in this account. But once again, Peter commands the limelight. And this passage clearly follows on from Acts 8, verse 25. See, it's showing Peter in action. And it shows more than that. In a most definite way, it shows us the source of Peter's power. Because when Peter healed Ananias, what did he not say? I heal you. He didn't say, I heal you, did he? No, he said, Jesus Christ heals you. He was showing the source. Now, before he spoke to Tabitha, and Tabitha is the Hebrew which, for um, gazelle, and Dorcas is the Greek for the same word. That's, that explains that part of the scripture. And he used the same word while he prayed. It is not his own power on which Peter called. It was the power of Jesus Christ. We often think too much of what we can do and too little of what Christ can do through us. Because is it about us? Is it about how great we are? Any glory for us? Is it about us at all? Is it not all about him? It's all glory be to God. It's all reflected it's all his glory, it's not us. If we think that the story's about us, we've missed the whole idea of the gospel. It's only about us and we're a part of the story because he so loved us that he came and died on the cross so that we could be with him if we accept and obey his commands. It's quite it's simple. It's all about us. Oh. Then it's not. Then we're not being. If we're being Christians for ourselves, then we're not being Christians for the right reasons. Yeah. If it's all about us, then it's not. There's something wrong. Mm-hmm. 
something, something hasn't been taught correctly. Because it's selflessness. When you think about selflessness, don't you think of Jesus Christ? Wasn't he the most selfless person that ever lived? And didn't he tell us to do what? Follow him. Follow his example in all things. Jesus was never selfish at all. There's another situation. Okay. <laughs> the apostles were going, I, I think it was a synagogue, mm -hmm. and the, uh, the lame man was at, 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 the, at the beginning. The lame man at the gate, yes. And, uh, they healed him, and he tried to praise them and say, no, no, no. Praise comes from God. That's right. Milt brought up a wonderful point. Remember when the apostles went by, a man who was lame, he was at the gate of the temple, and he was healed, and he was trying to praise them, and said, no, no, don't praise us, praise God. Praise God. Because it's to him all worship belongs. Far too many people think too much of themselves. We're not to do this. What are we but beggars at the foot of the cross? Let's be honest. We don't want to be like those prideful people who are, are literally torturing themselves, whipping themselves to pay for their sins. What a slap in the face to Christ to say that his death on the cross wasn't sufficient enough that they have to go about hitting themselves or his other people, which they really enjoy doing. We're not to be puffed up with pride. We're mm. full of ourselves. Yeah. That's not yeah. what it's about. The Bible, throughout the Bible, those who were full of pride of themselves were cast down by the Lord. Every one of them. Think of Pharaoh. Pharaoh is the perfect example. He was told that the sun rose in the morning because he got out of bed. Everybody worshipped him. They thought he was wonderful. And when Moses went to him demanding that he let my people go, let God's people go, he said, who is Jehovah? Well, he found out who Jehovah was. <laughs> He's the real deal. The son that Jehovah made literally rose in the morning because of him. So what are we to have pride in? Jesus. Simon the sorcerer is an excellent example, yeah. He tried to buy it because he thought it was a franchise. Yes, Milk brought up a very good point, of, and we will get round to him. A man called Simon the sorcerer had seen the apostles going around healing people, and he was thinking, oh, I, I want in on this. He tried to buy the skills so that he could get it. Well, the apostles weren't too happy about it. Remember what they told him to do with, do with his money? What is something about go to Hades? Maybe a bit stronger than that. <laughs> Take your money with you. That's, that's the thing about him being a Christian. He <laughs> sinned, and they told him he had to get himself right with God. Yeah. He wasn't once saved, always saved. That's right. He sinned. It's... It, it's, it's a journey, and, and thankfully he listened, but there were those who were so puffed up with pride didn't want to listen. And we're supposed to have pride in one name only, in the name of Jesus Christ. And sometimes you don't have a chance, because Ananias and Sapphira, they didn't get the, the second chance like, like him. They, Ananias they, and Sapphira. They, they were struck right there. Oh, so yeah, we, we studied about know. them. That's it. Don't take a chance with God. Don't let your pride send you to hell. 
Yes. Ah. Just, just curious. Mm. What's the significance of why they would give the two names for Tabitha and Dorcas? Well, it's the same significance as um, why I've got two names. When you live in a country that has more than one language, with uh, with the Hebrew speakers, she was known as Tabitha. With the Greek speakers, known as Dorcas. With the English speakers, my name is George. With the Irish speakers, my name is Sosha. It's not a girl's name. Mm, not a girl's name. <laughs> it's simple as that. It was the same name just to, just to do. And if you've ever been in Taco Bell, sometimes they might call your name out in Spanish and it just confuse you. <laughs> just Juan. John, Juan. There you go. There you go. John, Juan. Oh, dear. <laughs> but that was it. But they did make mention of that, which was interesting because they're living in a multicultural society just as we are, and they weren't dividing it. You notice that? They weren't dividing it. And when they tried to divide it, God had something to say about it. It wasn't being as keen. There's also one very interesting word in this passage. You know, twice the Christians at Lydia are called saints in Acts 9.32 and Acts 9.41. And the same word is used earlier in the chapter by Ananias to describe the Christians at Jerusalem in Acts 9.13 described as saints. Now, in, in, in our world, a lot of people will hear the word saint and they will think of a statue that's worshipped, that kind of thing. But that's, that's not what a saint is, according to the Bible. A saint is someone who is a true Christian and is therefore being set aside, sanctified. But not sanctified because they're great, but because of the blood of Christ. That has sanctified us and set us aside and made us saints. And the word that Paul always used to describe a church member is, of course, the saints. For he always writes his letters to the saints that are of such and such a place. He's not writing to people who have died and prayed to and been made into saints because they they did personal miracles, which just doesn't work. I have a friend of mine who prayed to St. Anthony, the patron saint of lost things. She lost him. That'll tell you. You don't put your faith in such things. Yes, Mel, to see a bite now. Priests, yeah. That's right. That's right. Well, the Greek word for saints is hagios, and it has far-reaching associations. This is why we like to dig deep into God's word. It's sometimes translated as holy, but the root meaning of it is different. Basically, the Christian is a man or a woman who is different from those who are merely people of the world. We're the people of God. But where does that difference lie? That word hagios was specifically used for the ancient people of Israel throughout the Bible, throughout the New Testament. See, they were set specifically aside as a holy people, as a different people, a chosen people. It didn't mean they didn't sin, they didn't mess up, they didn't have problems. But their difference lay in the fact that of all the nations God had made, he had chosen them to do his work. But Israel had failed in her destiny. She was disobedient, and by her actions, she lost her privileges. So how was, how was physical Israel disobedient? Remember, the church is not the backup plan. Oh, no. The church was always the A plan. It was always to, to purify, to make sure the word of God was kept to the that the lines were kept pure for the Messiah and then for the whole world to come under the rulership of King Jesus. So the church is not the B plan, make no mistake, but 
Where did they go wrong? They'd been entrusted with, the God, with all these, these laws by God to live in a certain way. What happened? I thought you were chomping. <laughs> the thing about this is the Old Testament, God knew, and I guess in reality it wouldn't work because the death of Christ with Christianity, their, their sins will roll forward. Mm -hmm. The death of Christ is what saved them with, with us being Christians when we accept what we repent. In the Old Testament, they did... Uh, uh, animal sacrifices. The animal sacrifices, that's right, the lamb yeah. and all these other it things. Wasn't, it wasn't the right scenario, I guess, the Old Testament mm -hmm. teaches that the situation didn't work. Yeah. Christianity is the way that, it, that we, we make it. Yeah, the but with them, they, they also kept on failing because they were so proud of themselves. They were seeing themselves, we're the chosen people, we're better than everyone else, but that's not the, what they were supposed to be. We were chosen to not take a chance on God and do what God says. Like you said earlier, there's a gospel sermon lesson and that's fantastic. But that, that's, that's so true. Mm -hmm. Loving yourself too much and being all about yourself, it's not possible for you to love other people if you're just too much into yourself. Mm. And Christianity is about compassion, about love, about humility. And if you're too in love with yourself, you... you you just don't have any room for those kinds of things. No. And no. you have to step back and ask yourself, am I really a Christian if I'm like that? If I'm, you know, with that kind of attitude? No. No. And that was the attitude you had with the Pharisees and the Sadducees. They mm -hmm. were in love with themselves. Yep. Yeah. But you do have to love yourself. Oh, you do have to, yeah, love yourself, but not, not be only in love with yourself. But not be in love with yourself. Yeah, yeah. There is a difference. There is a difference. And not demand the rest of the world of you, but you can hate them. Yeah. I love other people. You have to love yourself. To love other people, it's a, it's a, like she's saying, it's a That's right, but what Christy was pointing out quite rightly is many people fail in loving others as much as they love themselves. They fail it, and they don't even, many don't know who their neighbor is. And the problem with ancient Israel was that they didn't count their neighbors as even being human beings. They regarded them as, as creatures outside of, of God's church, what but not. What talking about basically is like, you're so in love with yourself and you're so puffed up with pride that you, um, you can't see the value in other people. And that's where Israel went wrong. Pharisees. Yeah, the Pharisees, that's where they went wrong. They didn't want Jesus teaching the Samaritans, or the Romans, or the Greeks, or anyone, but... Yeah, Sandy, I see you there. Yeah, that's right. It doesn't say not to love yourself, just don't be in love with yourself. That's right. There's a difference. Yeah, Sandy. 
This is how the world knows we're his disciples if we love one another. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. 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 And that's what they were failing to do. You see, what God did when he created the church, he, he made the church become the true Israel. We became the guardians of the truth. And we had to preach the truth. And not be so worried about offending people by teaching the truth, but be worried about what will happen to their souls if we don't. If we don't tell them the truth. They could be lost forever. Yes. Paul talks about himself being a Pharisee of all Pharisees. Yeah. He was arrogant. He was self-centered. He, you know, he had pride. But then when he became a Christian, he had to lose that pride. Hmm. He had to love himself, he had to love others, but he had that constant battle because when he was growing up, he was it. He was a Roman citizen. Oh, yeah. You know, you know I'm, I'm the rich kid in school. You know, yeah. He had to get over that scenario like she's talking about, being arrogant, self-centered. He had to become godly. If we truly love ourselves, we will bring ourselves into alignment with God's teachings with the scriptures, with loving others. We will get rid of this arrogance, this need for preeminence, this hatred, this pride, and have pride on what Jesus teaches. Because only then can we truly be Christians, can we truly love. We cannot hold on to the prejudices we've been, many of us have been raised to believe. I grew up in the 60s. Yeah. There was two water faucets. There was two schools. You know, I grew up, it, it, was, it was segregation. Yeah, I read about that. I know, that, that's when I grew up. I mean, mm. it, it, was, it was like them and us. They weren't part of us. We weren't part of them. And I'm glad it's over. Because, I mean, I was in school when they started segregation. Yeah. It was rough. Yeah. And now we, we had two of color. And the rest of us were white in the school. So it was, uh, it, it, it was irritating. And, you know, a lot of conflict. But then gradually as, as the schools developed, it, it got more equal. But, I mean, you, you have the Spanish people. Mm-hmm. They're, they're, they're sitting back there going, hey, why are you getting that tension? I mean, the, the color, you know, and the, then the Orientals come into it. And then you just have, like, what you got? Hey, I got frustration. The government tried to cause Scenarios where I mean they're trying to put the fights against the Orientals now. Why just bring it up? But listen, listen, listen. Without talking about politics, because I, I know all the presidents. I know, but I mean that, that's but, what America is now. Yeah, we but love each other, be we should love one another. As Christians, Christ's kingdom was designed to be a rainbow nation, and that was why, like as you brought up earlier, and you're absolutely right that. Paul had words with Peter because he wasn't associating with the Gentile Christians. There's not supposed to be segregation in Christ's church. Is there segregation in heaven? There's going to be a black part of heaven, a white part of heaven? No. There's no. not. And the no. sad thing is, is I have seen, and I have seen so, not with everybody, but I have seen so much racism and prejudice within the church that it literally makes me sick. It makes me sick because... It shouldn't be that way. No. And all these people are like, you know, if you're not this, you're not good enough. If you're not that, you're not good enough. Here's the thing. 
Jesus Christ sees everybody the same. In Jesus' eyes, we are all precious in his sight. Jesus died on the cross for black people, white people, Asian people, people from other countries. He died for everyone. Everyone. Mm-hmm. Christ was of color. He wasn't Christ. white. Christ. It'd have been olive. Come back. But, he wasn't yeah. white. Acts 17 26 of, of that God made it. Yeah. From one blood. That was, that's right. We all have Acts. Give me the verse again. Let me read it out loud. I do remember that. Acts 17, verse 26. Let's get it. Acts 17. And verse 26, And hath made of one blood all nations, of men for to dwell on all the face of the earth, and hath determined the times before appointed, and the bounds of their habitation, of one blood, and it is by one blood that they are saved in Christ. And there it is. And there it is. Amen. Remember Christianity... And you find this in the Acts of the Apostles. You see them coming together. You see Jews talking with Samaritans who were, as far as the Jews were concerned, these were a mixed race people, part Israelite, part Assyrian and whatever have you. But Jesus never stopped and said, you know, the kingdom of heaven's not for the likes of you. Not at all. There was segregation the same way as there was in America then. What would Jesus say if you've seen segregation in the Lord's church? Would he accept it? Would, that, would he be allowed in the door? Yeah, and it's his church to be run along his way and his lines. You see, people have also accused uh, the Lord's church of being sexist against women. Not so. We're all equal. At a time when women were treated like property in the kingdom of God, in the church of Christ, in the first century, men and women were equals. That was an amazing leap. You just look at the Middle East today. How are women treated in, in Islamic countries? They're dressed up like post boxes. A tiny little slit at the front. Could you imagine? But Jesus came to make us all equal and to set us free. And Paul, as we will be reading about this later on, Paul and Peter broke through the prejudices that they were raised with. They unlearned them and they began seeing people as Christ seen them. Mm-hmm. There's male and female. Oh, there's a difference in duty between male and female. Yeah, that's a good point to bring up. Yeah, yeah. but that, that, that's not sexist at all. I mean, no matter how much you might want to, you cannot have a baby. You can try milk, but it's not going to work. Yeah, it's not going to work. <laughs> oh, no, let's not go there. That would be an interesting trick. It would be. It would be. I think ladies... If, yeah, if a man had a baby, it would happen once and only once, and it would never happen again. We'd be extinct. We want to know where the true strength in humanity lies. It's in the ladies. God bless you. You have to put up with us, don't you? Yo. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no. But these are remarkable stories. And you can see how relevant they are to us today. They were having to deal with these issues as we have to deal with them too. 
Peter and Paul and the apostles were told to, to stay quiet, don't speak out, you don't want to upset or offend anyone. But you know, if somebody hadn't spoke out and told me about the errors of the denomination that I grew up in, I'd be still going there. And that person would have to answer to God for my soul. Thankfully, she doesn't have to answer for my soul. And yes, it's perfectly okay for a lady to preach the gospel to a non-Christian. That is not usurping authority. Milt. Timothy. Timothy. They took him aside. Mm-hmm. They didn't do it in public. They took him aside and taught him. Yeah. They taught, they taught well, that was his, his mother and his grandmother yeah, raised him and taught him the Bible. Teaching. I mean, yeah. They did it to the side. They didn't do it as a congregation. Well, that was before Christianity even came out. But yeah, yeah. That was Timothy. before. Timothy. Tim, he was sponsored. Timothy, the one who went with Paul. Oh, that Timothy. Okay. okay. I'm sorry. Okay. Yeah. Tim, you know, Timothy, <laughs> when he became a Christian. When he became uh, a Christian. The ladies took him aside and taught him. Yeah. That, that, there are various roles within it, yeah, but my, my point is that Christianity was never a tool of oppression. Uh, if, it, if it was used as a tool of oppression against women or people of colour, any people of colour, it was being abused. As simple as that. Yes, Sandy? I think that's the perfect place to end it because it is time to end it. <laughs> Thank you for your, uh, your contributions today. It was a good, good one. Wait and we see what Peter gets up to next week. <laughs>